On today's episode, our journey through Grimm's Fairy Tales continues with a story titled The Three Little Men in the Forest. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast where we get into the original folktales and fairy tales that set the stage for all of the stories that we know and love today, all so that we can appreciate just how insane these stories really are. So these are the stories that were used by generations of people to teach tales of morality, to teach life lessons, and maybe this explains why the world is so damn messed up. So let's get into it. We're continuing our journey through Grimm's Fairy Tales, and this week's story is a little tale titled The Three Little Men in the Forest. We begin. There was a man whose wife died, and he was undecided whether he wanted to marry again. Alright, I think that takes the crown for the least whimsical beginning to a story of all time. Finally, he took off one of his boots that had a hole in the sole, and said to his daughter, his only child... Take this boot and carry it up to the loft, where you'll find a large nail. Hang the boot on the nail. Then fetch some water and pour the water into the boot. If it holds the water, I'll get married again. But if it leaks, I'll let things remain as they are. Well, I feel like he kind of knows what the outcome is going to be if there's already a hole in this boot. Also, I don't know if this is really a great method by which to make decisions in your life. But I digress. The maiden did as she was told. The water drew the hole together, and the boot became full to the brim. The water drew the hole together. I'm not sure how that works physically speaking, but who am I to question it? We continue. The father checked to see for himself whether this was true. Then he said, Well, now I've got to take a wife. I guess by his own rules, yeah, now he has to. So he went and courted a widow who brought a daughter from her first husband with her into the house. That must be the least romantic way of beginning a relationship of all time. The boot filled up with water, so I guess we should get together. Continuing, when she saw that her stepdaughter was beautiful and that everyone was fond of her, and that her own daughter was ugly, she scolded the stepdaughter whenever she could and only thought of how she might torment her. Alright, we've got another evil stepmother here, because if you're doing the Shadow Bear drinking game, there's a cliche right there, take a shot. One day, in the middle of winter, when the snow was high, the stepmother sewed her a dress made of paper. And when it was finished, she called her stepdaughter to her and said, I've got a craving to eat strawberries. So put on this dress, go into the forest, and fetch me a basket of strawberries. And don't you dare return home until the basket is full. The maiden wept bitter tears and said, Strawberries don't grow in winter, and even if they were there, they'd be covered in snow. How am I supposed to find them? It's so cold outside that my breath will freeze. How can I go out in a paper dress? The wind will blow right through the dress, and the thorns will tear it off my body. So she's bringing up a lot of very valid reasons why this is a horrible idea. Also, where's the father at this point? That's what happens in these stories. The stepmother shows up, and the father at no point sticks up for the tormented child in any way. I think people should give a harder time to these absentee medieval fathers 
who are letting their children get bullied by evil stepmothers all the time. We continue. Don't say one more word, the stepmother replied. Get going and look for the strawberries. In her jealous heart, she thought that the maiden would freeze outside and never return. That's why she had made the thin paper dress. So yeah, she's literally just trying to murder this child at this point, not even torment her. Since the maiden was obedient, she put on the paper dress and went out into the forest. There was nothing but snow, not even a blade of green grass, so she kept going, and when she reached the middle of the forest, she saw a small cottage, and three little men were looking out the window. She wished them a good day, and since she greeted them so politely, they asked her what she was looking for in the forest, dressed in such a thin paper dress when it was winter time. Oh, she answered, I'm supposed to look for strawberries, and I'm not allowed to return home until I've gathered a basketful. The three little men responded, Go behind our house and clear the snow away. The strawberries have been protected there and have grown. You'll find enough to fill your basket. The maiden thanked them and did as she was told. While she cleared away the snow and gathered the strawberries, the three little men began talking among themselves. Since she's been so polite to us and is so beautiful, what gifts should we grant her? I'll make sure she becomes even more beautiful than she is. This is my gift, one of the little men said. Each time she speaks, golden coins will fall out of her mouth. That will be my gift, said another one of the little men. That one seems a bit inconvenient. She's getting money, sure, but the mechanics of it... Actually speaking and having coins fall out of your mouth sounds like a living hell, to be honest. I don't know how you could even coherently get words across that way. Have the coins getting in the way of your tongue as you talk. I'll grant her a king who will come and take her for his wife, the third little man said. When the maiden came back to them, they bestowed their gifts on her, and when she wanted to thank them, golden coins fell out of her mouth. Exactly. Hopefully they see how this is going to be a little difficult. Maybe make it be like an on-command thing. Guess not. There are no half-measures in any of these stories. Then she went home, and the stepmother was astonished by the strawberries that she had brought with her, and was even more astonished when she saw the coins that fell from the girl's mouth. Shortly thereafter, a king came, took the maiden with him, and made her his wife. That's another thing that happens in these stories. The women never have any say in the matter of whether they actually want to go with the king or with whoever comes and sweeps into the picture and takes them away. It's like, oh, the man is here. I guess I'm going with him now. Bit of a problem there. Anyway, now the mother thought about how she might provide her daughter with the same great fortune. So she sewed her a splendid fur coat and told her to go into the forest and ask the little men for a gift. But the men saw that she had a wicked heart. And instead of giving her good gifts, they gave her bad ones. Here we go. The first wished that she would freeze in her fur coat as if it were made of paper. The second wished that she would grow uglier with each passing day. The third wished that she would die a miserable death. <laughs> that third one, that third guy is not messing around. The girl returned home shivering as if her fur coat had been made of paper. She told her mother what she had encountered, and when her mother saw that the curses of the three men were starting to take effect, 
She thought only of avenging herself. So she went to her stepdaughter, who was now the queen, and pretended to be friendly and charming. Consequently, she was welcomed and given her own apartment. It's not very fancy language there, given her own apartment. That also must have been an awkward check-in period. Well, here's the refrigerator. If you hold it open, then you'll experience a bit of what I felt when I was freezing to death in a paper dress. Shortly thereafter, the queen gave birth to a prince, and one night, when she was alone and sick and weak, the wicked stepmother lifted her out of the bed with the help of her daughter, and they carried the queen outside to a river and threw her into it. All right, here we go. Here we go with the evil people doubling down on being evil. The next morning, they told the king that the queen had died during the night. Okay, where's the body? How do you explain this away? She died and vanished and disappeared? Obviously, there's something going on. The following night, the kitchen boy saw a duck swimming through the drain into the kitchen. I guess it's an outside exterior drain. Some sort of medieval drainage system goes straight into the kitchen. And so the duck swims into the kitchen and it asked, Are all my guests now sound asleep? The kitchen boy answered, Yes, indeed. You can't hear a peep. And I'm sure he patted himself on the back for cleverly rhyming with the talking duck. The duck answered, How about that baby of mine? He's asleep and doing just fine. Got MC Kitchen Boy here, apparently. Then the duck assumed the shape of the queen, went upstairs, suckled and nursed the baby, plumped his little bed, covered him, and returned to the drain where she swam away as a duck. Why, just stay as the queen. Why are you swimming away as a duck? Do you have duck business to attend to? Just live as a duck now? Also, why is she asking the question about the guests and the and the baby, as a duck. Change into the queen first. It's freaky coming into places as a duck and talking to people. Come on, just come be the queen. I don't even see the purpose of being a duck at all. It's also very similar to a previous story, where queen comes back as a ghost, does the same thing, suckles the baby, and then disappears again. Lots of similar themes in these stories. Ghost queens coming back to suckle their children and then disappearing. I didn't realize that that was such a cliche, the ghost queen returning, but apparently so. This happened the next night too, and on the third night, she said to the kitchen boy, go and tell the king to take his sword and swing it three times over my head on the threshold. The kitchen boy ran and told the king, and when he swung the sword three times, his wife appeared before him alive and well. So did the three little men in the forest intervene again, or did their initial wishes just make her magic? And she's just magic now, and she can do whatever she wants. There's no motivation for why this is happening, for why she has this ability to come back as a duck. And as I recall, the previous story, where Ghost Queen comes back, there was no real motivation for that either. She's just, she's the hero. She had an experience with magic, so now apparently she's just eternally magic in all ways, can do a bunch of crazy shit, and always comes out on top because she's the good person. 
I don't like stories where the good person wins just because they're the good person. Kind of motivated somehow. How is she coming back as a duck? How is she coming back as a talking duck who can become a queen, who can suckle the child, and then become a duck again? And then I don't, I don't what is she going off doing duck business? Just stay. Why do you need three nights? Are you coming back three nights? All this could be done on the first night, presumably. There's no reason to do these threes. Same thing in the other one. She comes back three nights and there's some weird countdown. This is just unnecessary, just completely manufactured urgency. In any event, I'm rambling. The duplicity of the stepmother and her daughter was now clear as day, and they were cast into the forest to be devoured by wild animals. The end. Gotta admit, I really love it when they just quickly wrap the story up by saying, oh yeah, the bad guys got devoured by wild animals. That's just a real nice way to put a bow on it. The bad guys got their comeuppance. Torn apart by wild animals. Which is dying a miserable death, as the third little man's wish bestowed on the stepdaughter. Alright. Nice, clean one. Has a couple cliches. The stepmother, ghost queen. Let's break it down. So there's a man whose wife died. He was undecided whether he wanted to marry again. And really, he made a pretty bad decision on whether he should marry again. Not whether he should marry again. He made a pretty bad decision on who he decided to marry. Also, his decision-making process of just hanging a boot on a nail and filling it up with water. I mean, just a bit convoluted. Just flip a coin at this point. It seems like maybe his daughter was trying to convince him to get married, and so he finally relented and said, okay, if this happens, if I hang the boot up and it holds the water, I'll get married. All the while, he knows there's a hole in the boot, so it's not going to happen. Somehow, it magically does happen, and so now he's on the hook, quite literally, no pun intended there, to get married. However, he chooses the worst woman in the world to couple up with, brings the evil stepmother and evil stepdaughter into the house, and immediately disappears, apparently? Why does that always happen in these stories? The father just disappears. He's never mentioned again. Never. Even when the stepmother and the stepdaughter move into the queen's apartment. What happened to dad? Did he move in as well, or is he just gone? No mention of him ever again. Well, Stepmother decides to be terrible, as evil stepmothers are wont to do, and she says, oh, I know what I'll do, I'll make a paper dress, which is a lot of work. That sounds like a lot of work. That's putting a lot of effort into being terrible. Just like, give her a sack or something, and your point's made. So you're going through a lot of effort to make someone cold in winter, which is a pretty easy thing to do. Gives her an impossible task, go get some strawberries. And apparently she's just hoping she's going to die. So the maiden gives a lot of good reasons of why she shouldn't do this and why it's an impossible task. That's obviously not the point. So the stepmother just shoes her out. And this says, since the maiden was obedient, she put on the paper dress and went out into the forest. Don't be so obedient, maiden. This is obviously a trick, obviously a trap. Not even really a trick. It's just pretty obvious what's happening here. She's saying, go die in the forest. Don't do this. Maiden, don't be so obedient. She was sticking up for herself really well earlier. She's got to put her foot down. But regardless, she wanders around until she comes across this little hut with three little men. 
and they make everything great for her. They give her the strawberries, they make her even more beautiful than she is, which isn't really important, That's that seems kind of unnecessary. They give her the golden coins to fall out of her mouth, which again, yeah, she's going to be super, super rich. She's also never really going to be able to have a normal conversation ever again. I don't know how you can ever focus on a conversation with someone who's just vomiting golden coins the entire time. And then the third little man says a king will come and take her for his wife. How does that work logistically, though? What compels this king to go randomly find this woman in whatever village or whatever house she's at in the middle of nowhere? In any other story in Grimm's fairy tales, it would be some hunting party. That's where kings always find random maidens, hunting in the forest. But in this one, that is glossed over as an unnecessary detail. Well, maiden comes back, all these gifts start taking effect. Stepmother is super pissed off. So she says, hey, daughter, you go out. I'm going to make you a fur coat. You go out to these men. Get your own gifts. It's going to be great. But apparently she was really mean to the men, and they saw that she had a wicked heart. So instead of giving her good gifts, they say she's just going to feel freezing in her fur coat as if it were made of paper. It's unclear how long that lasts, if it's only while she's wearing the fur coat or if it's just forever. Second wish is that she's just going to get uglier every day. That's pretty brutal. It's already established earlier in the story that she's pretty ugly. And this is saying she's just going to get uglier every single day. I mean, even by day like 10, 15, 20, that's, that's pretty awful. After a year, she's, that, she's just going to be melting. That is tragic. I feel pretty bad about that. But she's got a wicked heart, so I don't know. And then finally, she's going to die a miserable death. It's just really a shitty cherry on top of an awful situation. So the girl returns home shivering. Really, I would feel really bad for this girl if they didn't say outright she has a wicked heart. So I guess that kind of lets us, the reader, off the hook in terms of feeling any kind of sorry for for this stepdaughter. But she comes back, says what happened, and then the stepmother gets even more pissed off and gets an apartment with the queen. Very awkward situation. But the queen is nice, I guess. And then somehow, after the queen gives birth, the evil stepmother and the stepdaughter sneak into her bedroom when she's sick and weak and throw her into a river. A similar thing happens in a previous story, where an evil stepmother kills a queen who had just recently gave birth. And I'm going to say the same thing now as it did then. We need to up the security measures for queens, especially when they recently gave birth. Why are these women on their own? Someone's got to be looking out for these queens. They presumably live in castles. Why is there no one standing at the door? Come on, I'll say one guard is all it would take. One guard. Come on, guys. Or just one person stationed between the queen's bedroom and the river. How do you get away with that? But somehow they do. How do you get away with that? Especially when it's been established that the stepmother is evil. I mean, the queen, I'm sure, has told the king, hey, this woman was terrible to me and tried to kill me in the forest with a feudal strawberry mission. So, you know, I'm going to give her her own apartment, but keep an eye on her and maybe limit her castle-wandering abilities. 
But no, a little too trusting, boom, she ends up in a river. But hey, she comes back as a duck, as a talking duck, transforms back into the shape of a queen after some nice, whimsical little back and forth with the kitchen boy, takes care of the baby, goes back to being a duck, and swims away. I don't know what she's doing during the day, I don't know what she's doing with her duck business, but clearly she's having a good time being a duck because she puts off actually making the permanent transition for three days. At which point she says, all right, I should probably get back to being a full-time queen. I've had my duck fun. Tells the kitchen boy, hey, go tell the king to swing his sword around my head. And I'll turn back. King does it. Everything is great again. She's just alive through unclear magical means. And then they summarily throw the stepmother and her daughter into the forest to be devoured by wild animals, which is as joyful an ending as any of these folktales ever get. So the intended lesson is clearly, have a kind heart, be nice to people, and you will be rewarded with a happy life and a beautiful spirit. Because a maiden who is nice and polite to the men has all good things happen to her, and the people who are bad and quote-unquote wicked just have bad things bestowed upon them. So that's definitely the intended lesson. Be good and good things will be bestowed upon you. Be bad and bad things will be bestowed upon you. But I think the real lesson is just stick up for yourself and don't get pushed around. I mean, you could argue that if she hadn't let herself get pushed around, she wouldn't have found the three little men in the forest. But to be honest, that seems lucky at best. Odds are she was going to die in that forest. She stumbled across three little men, three magic little men in the middle of a snowy forest while she was wearing a paper dress. That is as lucky as it gets. I think the real message here, she never should have been in that forest to begin with. She should have stuck up to her stepmother, put her foot down, and said, screw this, I'm not wearing a paper dress in the middle of winter. That was her first opportunity to stick up for herself. Doesn't take it. And then by sheer luck, manages to have this good stuff happen to her. And then at the end, stepmother comes back, who we, we know that the stepmother is evil at this point, comes back and asks for an apartment. She asks for favors. And the queen says, fine, you can live with me and apparently have free movement capabilities or free roaming of the castle as you like. When she knows that this woman is evil and has tried to kill her before. And it doesn't say she apologizes at any point, just says she pretends to be friendly and charming when she comes back to see the queen. Don't be suckered by this, queen. Don't be naive, queen. You know this woman. You know she's terrible. Don't give her an apartment. Hold your ground say, get the hell out of here, evil stepmother. Just by sheer luck, she found the three little men, and by sheer luck, she came back as a duck and was able to shapeshift back into a living person, even though she died in a river. It doesn't make any sense. It's just sheer luck. She's not getting through these situations by any kind of moxie or problem-solving of any kind. We're supposed to believe this is, oh, oh, she's nice to people, so these things just work out for her. That's not the real world. It's overly idealistic. And yes, be nice to people, but also don't let evil people just completely take advantage of you, send you out to die, and literally throw you into a river. 
put some defenses in place. Keep evil people at arm's length. Put your foot down. Stick up for yourself. And then you will be able to be good and to be kind from a position of strength and security. That is the lesson. Stick up for yourself so you can be kind to people from a position of strength. All right, let's adapt it. So, I kind of like how ridiculous and silly it is with the, the strawberries and the boot and the duck. I, don't, I think I want to keep it in the same time period, keep it medieval, keep it weird. I really like the, the picture of the three little old men in the forest. I don't want to make it some type of modern adaptation. I like, I like it sort of old school here. So we're going to keep it medieval. It's going to be a movie. There's no way you can stretch this into a TV series. This is going to be a movie. The maiden is going to be Gemma Chan. Gemma Chan's great. Love Gemma Chan. She's awesome. The father will be... I'm picturing like a burly sort of... Now, who's going to use a boot and nail to make life decisions? Nick Offerman. Obviously. The obvious choice here. The evil stepmother will be honestly like she's evil, but she's ridiculous. She's a ridiculous person. She spends her time making a paper dress to torture her stepdaughter. This is Melissa McCarthy. This is Melissa McCarthy all over it. I love it. Let's do it. The evil stepdaughter will be, let's go with Kate McKinnon. I love Kate McKinnon. She'll be great with this. So then Gemma Chan wanders out, and she finds three little men who will be played by John Mulaney, Nick Kroll, and Jason Manzoukas. So Gemma Chan and Nick Offerman are living a simple life together. Nick Offerman doesn't know if he wants to get married. Gemma Chan convinces him that leave it up to fates to decide. And Nick Offerman says, I'll leave it up to my boot to decide. Get this boot Put it on the nail, fill it with water, and then I'll dry it out afterwards. And you have a soggy boot. Who wants that? This is a really impractical way of making decisions, but whatever. Not going to question it. Things were weird in old times. They do the boot trick. It's filled with water. Also, if it doesn't fill with water, then you just have a bunch of water in your loft. That sucks. Don't do this. No one do this. This is a horrible system. But in any event, the boot stays full, and Gofferman says, Oh, all right, I'll go marry Melissa McCarthy down the way. Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon move on in. There's a weird face-off. Melissa McCarthy just decides to be terrible. Nick Offerman goes off to war or something. You need some reason why he's not around anymore, because it makes no sense why he would allow his new wife to treat his daughter terribly like this. So he goes off to war. Or he goes off to do some type of carpentry project or build a house somewhere. I don't know. He goes off to do some Nick Offerman type stuff. And then we just have a few scenes of just Gemma Chan and Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon all facing off and being terrible to one another. And it culminates with Melissa McCarthy making her paper dress. And Gemma Chan goes out after taking a stand but says... Fine, I'll prove to you that I can overcome even this terrible, awful situation. I can overcome it through my kindness and my good spirit. I will show you, Melissa McCarthy. 
And so Joan Chan goes out, and that is where she finds the three little old men, John Mulaney, Nick Kroll, and Jason Manzukis, all in old man makeup, of course. And she wishes them a good day, and since she's so nice, even while freezing in a paper dress in the middle of a snowy winter, they're like, okay, what, what do you need? We can help you out. We're magic. Oh, you need strawberries? Go head around back. We got some strawberries. And then they meet up in the cottage and talk to each other like she was really nice and clearly she really needs help. She's got a paper dress and is looking for strawberries. I don't know what's going on there, but got to help this nice lady. And then Jason Mazuka says, I'm going to make her even hotter than she is. She's super hot. I'm going to make her even hotter. And John Lane and Nick are like, okay, calm down, Jason Manzoukas. You know, that, that's nice, but maybe let's do something a little more useful, a little more practical. Then John Mulaney says, I'm going to make her have golden coins fall out of her mouth. And then the other ones say, well, okay, I guess that's useful. She'll have gold, but how practical is that really? I mean, how is she going to be able to speak? There's going to be coins coming out. Her tongue can't really move properly to form words. It's, it's just going to be a garbled mess. And then John Mulaney says, well, you know, you can poke holes in everything if you overthink it. Uh, let's just keep it simple. Golden coins are going to fall out of her mouth. I said, well, I mean, I mean, maybe she could do it on demand. You know, maybe you can make her have it do it on demand with the golden coins, not so that she just has to do it all the time. Then John Mulaney says, you know what? It's my wish. This is my wish. You guys get to do whatever you want for your two wishes. I'm going to have her have golden coins fall out of her mouth whenever she speaks. Okay? So what I'm doing for my wish, back off. And I thought, all right, they relent. And Nick Kroll says... You know, she's walking around with this paper dress. This is clearly a woman who doesn't really have much of a support system back home. She, she needs companionship. She needs someone on her side here. And who better to be on your side than a king? So he says, oh, she's going to have a king. Come along. And they're going to fall in love. And they are going to be blissfully wed. I'm going to add they fall in love, and they both are super into each other. Because I don't like this whole king coming along, taking her for his wife. Let's, let's have a mutual sort of, sort of connection going on here. And so Gemma Chan has all these wishes bestowed upon her, and she goes back to Melissa McCarthy, and it's obvious that, oh, she's got all this good stuff happen to her. And then King Michael B. Jordan is going to be the person who plays the king. King Michael B. Jordan shows up. Michael B. Jordan's awesome. And they hit it off. Maybe King Michael B. Jordan. You know what? He's like, he's coming through the forest and falls off his horse or is injured somehow. And then that's why he's taken into Melissa McCarthy, Gemma Chan, Kate McKinnon's home. And then Gemma Chan cares for him and brings him back to health. And then they fall in love. And then Michael B. Jordan brings her back says, hey, it's really cool that you have gold falling from your mouth all the time. This is going to be great for my kingdom's economy. Let's get married. And they say, yeah, this is great. Let's get married. So then they go back. They get married. Queen, all good. Meanwhile, Miss McCarthy and Kate McKinnon are like, how did that all go so well? We were trying so hard to mess up her life, and it totally backfired. Everything's great for her now. Kate McKinnon, we got to get you out into this forest, find these guys in this cottage, get some of that sweet little old man wish action going on. Kate McKinnon, nice fur coat, 
trots on out there, but she's a total asshole to Jason Manzukis and John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. And so Jason Manzukis says, you know what? You're just going to freeze in your fur coat. We, we heard what you did to nice Gemma Chan with the, with the paper coat. You're just going to freeze in your fur coat. Deal with that. And then John Mulaney says, you know what? You're going to be ugly. Uglier every day. And that would actually be kind of fun to put more and more makeup on Kate McKinnon as the movie then progresses to just watch her become uglier and uglier with all of these ridiculous makeup and prosthetics and everything. And she would kill it with the physical comedy with all of that. And then Nick Kroll says, you know what? On top of all of that, you're just going to die horribly. And then so Kate McKinnon, I'm sure, leaves very shaken from this entire ordeal. But, you know, she's evil, so she rolls with it and is probably evil and wicked and awful about it. And so we don't feel bad for her. But Melissa McCarthy does not accept this, gets super pissed, goes to the kingdom, says, hey, I'm nice now. I'm super charming. Why don't you give us a place to live? We can live with you here in the kingdom. It's great. In the castle. It's be awesome together. And then Gemma Chan says, okay, but have you heard from my father? Because I, I haven't heard from him since act one of the story. And Melissa McCarthy says, no, 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 don't, don't, don't worry about that. He's, 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 he's irrelevant. Don't worry about it. Nick Offerman is doing great. He's doing great Nick Offerman stuff. He's building a boat out west. I don't know. I live here now. It's awesome. We'll have a super great life together. And then so the queen, Gemma Chan, gives birth to a prince. Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon sneak into the castle somehow. I'm sure that would be a very ridiculous montage of them sneaking into the castle and carrying Gemma Chan to a river, probably sneaking her out of the castle somehow. I'm sure there would be bales of hay involved, maybe a wheelbarrow. Anyway, dump her into the river. They high-five, skip off into the moonlight, and then say, Oh, Michael B. Jordan, Gemma Chan, she died. I don't know where the body is. She just she melted. She's super dead. And then he asks, "Why You were there? Why were you there? I thought you were in your apartment. Why were you in the queen's quarters? And then say, Oh, no, we just we heard. Someone told us. That she just died and evaporated into the sky because she's so magical. Oh, so sad though. Oh, so so sad. She is magic. She's great, but she's probably happy now. So we're going to be, we're just going to continue living in this apartment on the, on the, on the castle grounds. That's cool. And then Michael B. Jordan is just sad. So I guess he doesn't do anything about it, even though these two very suspicious and known evil people just told him that his wife is dead. And so that night, a duck shows up with the voice of Gemma Chan and talks to the kitchen boy, who will be played by Pete Davidson, of course. And then they have a fun little rhymey game. And then the duck transforms into Gemma Chan, and Pete Davidson's like, oh, snap, you're the queen. You're back now. Why were you gone? What happened? And Gemma Chan says, oh, sh- 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 don't, don't tell anyone that I'm here. No one will believe you. I'm a duck. If you tell anyone I'm a duck, no one will believe you. I'm just going to go take care of my baby really quick, and then I'm going to go get back to my duck business. And so Gemma Chan does that. And then on the third day, Gemma Chan's like, Hey, Pete Davidson, you know what? Go tell the king to swing his sword around. 
a few times. I love it when he swings his sword around. Just tell him to come on over here, swing his sword around a few times, and I'm just going to go back to normal. And it happens just like she said, and she transforms from a duck into Gemma-chan. Hopefully she has a conversation or freaks out Michael B. Jordan a little bit by having her voice come out of a duck. You can't miss that opportunity. Duck prank. Maybe that's what she was doing all day, those three days when she was a duck. Duck pranks around the kingdom. Fun times with duck pranks. Anyway, she transforms back into Gemma-chan and says, Hey, you know my stepmother and stepsister who we know are evil? Yeah, they're still evil and they tried to kill me. So we should send them out into the forest to be devoured by wild animals. And then they do that. And Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon, who by now is probably just like a blobfish of a person after all this time has passed and she's just gotten uglier every day. Sure, that's just a mess. It's probably some sort of werewolf slash fish person at this point. And they just run into the forest and we see them being chased by wild animals. And Michael B. Jordan and Gemma Chan ride into the sunset. And then Nick Offerman shows up and says, Hey, what did I miss? You're queen now? That's cool. Do I live here in the castle? Great. Let's all be a happy family. The end. So there we go. That's how we adapt it. Contact all of those people that I just mentioned to be in this movie. Let's make it happen. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. All that good stuff really helps us out. I would love to hear your own adaptation ideas on Twitter or Instagram as well. You can also check out ShadowBearStorySessions.com. You can donate. You can give me some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And that will do it for this week's episode. Next week's episode is a story titled Nasty Flax Spinning. Nasty Flax Spinning. I have no possible idea what that could involve. Come on back next week and find out with me. My name is Zach Stewart, and I'll see you next week on the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Shadow Bear Story Sessions.